Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. recently reminded that the scripture says when the enemy comes in like a flood when the enemy comes in excuse me when the enemy comes in comma like a flood amen the Lord will raise up the spirit the praise and the power of God I'm thankful I'm thankful for the anointing of the Lord today amen thankful for the anointing of the Lord today praise God Praise God. Can we just pray one more time and ask the Lord to strengthen us? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I love you today. I love you today. I glorify your name. I praise your name. I praise your name. Let the Spirit, the presence, and the power of the Holy Ghost touch our hearts here this evening. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. In your presence, in your presence, Lord, there is peace. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your presence, there is wholeness. In your presence, there is balance. So, Lord, we just desire your presence today. We desire your presence today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. We're going to pray over the word of the Lord and, and just ask God to touch his word and brand it to our heart tonight. Brand it to our minds. And Amen. Not only that we would have a spiritual experience, as I've so often said, we need to have an intellectual experience as well. We need a combination of that. We need to have this in our head, but we need it in our heart as well. And so let the Spirit of God touch us this evening in a collective corporate way. Lord, I love you today. Thank you for the Word. I thank you, God, for the express privilege that we've been given to come into this house and strengthen ourselves, God. Not just with the fellowship of one another, but to combine that with your Word. What a privilege that is. So I ask you tonight, God, to be our strength and to be our help. Oh, God, to just magnify, magnify, Lord, in us your word and its importance in Jesus' name. And you may be seated in the fear of the Lord. It's been a privilege um, this last week to have been in camp meeting and have the word of the Lord ministered to our heart and our lives. And I just want to say thank you for all of those that were able to attend camp and uh, the messages that we heard Wednesday night, Thursday night and Friday night were certainly encouraging and strengthening and and then Thursday and Friday of course Brother 
Myers just did such an outstanding job teaching the Word of the Lord, and, and uh, that helps us to become more, helps us to become better. And so thank you so much for that. I'm going to turn uh, your attention this evening to the book of Second Peter chapter 3. I will do a little bit more reading in my opening text than normal, but uh, I want us to just take our time through this reading because I want to just point out a couple of things as we pass through and then ask the Lord to uh, just bless tonight all of us and strengthen us. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come in, come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Let's read verse 10 again, because I want us to, I want us to grasp this in context. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, into which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise, and the element shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So, in essence, everything that we see or know, anything that we can put our hands on or behold today, will be taken away. And beyond, because it talks about the heaven. Amen. And so not... Uh, not heaven itself, but the heaven shall pass away with a great noise. Verse 11 then says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, since this is all going to pass away, <laughs> since what we can touch, see, taste, or feel is all going to vanish with time, he said, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation? And that word conversation means lifestyle, of course, and godliness. And so he said, since all of this is going to perish anyway, how much more ought we to focus on, amen, seeing this, then what manner of person should we be? How should we live? How should we walk and exist? Verse 12, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless. An account that the suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also rather in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or wrestle as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Amen. Let me pause one more verse, but let me pause here. I pray very often, God, don't let my feet slip. 
Amen. Don't let my feet slip. And so he said, there are those that may fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace, verse 18, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I want to make it abundantly clear that I certainly um, believe and hold to and teach and read and study from the King James Version of the Bible. I I think it is the most accurate translation. But I also use a few, very, very selected few other Bibles that I may study from just for clarity. Just for clarity. I want to make that uh, clear. (laughs) I say that for clarity. (laughs) And so with that said, did you you see my note on that? Okay. with that said, I forgot to tell you, and I'm sorry about that, but Second Peter 3, 17 and 18, I want to read from just another translation that I use in study. The Bible says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. I just wanted to underline that just a little bit more in our heart. That we need to be on guard and realize that the world that we live in exists and act as the society that we live in act as though this is it. This life is just one big party and we need to do all that we can do, get all that we can get. But we need to realize that all that we know is going to pass away. This is a journey, a very, very short journey. And I am sure with all confidence and with great deference to our elders here tonight, I can say that I, I think they would agree that life is just but a breath. Just just a flash, just a flash. Moving much, much Greater at a much greater pace than we would dare imagine. And so if we are then to adhere to the admonition, the admonition of the Apostle Peter when he says, be on your guard so that you're not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. If we are to adhere to what Simon Peter is saying to us by grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord then we must understand the value of staying connected to that source of strength. <laughs> Amen. I, I, uh, I recently heard Brother Mooney share this story again and brought it back to my attention. I heard, heard it many years ago, but he said they, in their church they have a, a school, and he said uh, that one day a young man, a little, little boy in elementary school, uh, was asked by the teacher to go to the office and get an extension cord. And so if you remember being in grade school, that was quite a privilege to be hand-picked and selected to go out of the classroom for anything. And so he was sent to get an extension cord. And so when he went to the office and, and they asked what he wanted, he said that Sister So-and-so had sent him there to get an attention cord. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> not a bad idea that we get an attention cord, is it? That we can kind of stay plugged in, plugged in for just a little while. <clears throat> A missionary in Africa lived in uh, one portion of the small work that they pastored there. A small generator, they, their family owned a small generator that not only supplied current for the church, but uh, it also supplied current for that area of his home. 
Some natives from an outlying mission came to visit one day and noticed the electric light that was hanging from the ceiling of his living room. They watched in amazement as he turned the switch off and on, and when he did, the light would come on and go off. And so as they began to leave, one of the guests asked if he could have one of those bulbs. The missionary thought that he just wanted a trinket or a souvenir of sorts, gave him an extra light bulb. It was quite a while, a span between that visit and much later the missionary happened to visit the little village where this man lived. And he stopped by the hut of the man that had asked for that bulb. And we have to imagine his surprise when he walked into that hut and this man had that light bulb hanging from just an ordinary string. Unaware that it wasn't the bulb hanging in the air that brought the light. It was the real source that he missed in the whole story. And so while we may smile at the innocence of this native, I wonder how many times we are equally guilty of the same thing spiritually. And we kind of go through the motions and just hang the bulb and just hope that it all comes out in the end. But if we're really going to grow in the Lord, if we're going to grow in Him, then we're going to have to stay connected to our source of strength. I can't just visit this when it's convenient. I can't just visit this when it fits into my life, but I've got to fit my life around this source of strength. I'm going to confess to you tonight, I would not be alone in this confession, but I will confess before you and others would amen this, that that every day that I wake up, I don't feel like praying. But because I know that that's where my source of strength is, I'm going to have to push myself into that into that place to say, God, I need you today and I want to visit with you and I want to love you because that is my source of strength. And so as long as I am connected to that source and the, the power of the Lord in our lives, the working of the Holy Spirit, and I, I just want to pause long enough to say that the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, ever how you want to refer to that, is more than just a whoopee. Amen. This is a real life walk with God. It's a journey with God. Very exciting to see somebody receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost this past Sunday. We were privileged to be in service with Brother and Sister Jody Wells in Titusville and, and just to be able to sit back and enjoy the service and not have uh, any responsibility was quite a treat. I'll just be it. I'll just admit that. And uh, But to be in that service and Sunday morning three people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and I never get over the awe and the wonder of being in the in the delivery room. Amen. Never get over the wonder of standing on the outside and seeing those new babes born into the Lord. And that's an exciting thing. So I don't want to take anything away from that. But, but I also realize that beyond that experience, I need to allow the fruit of the Spirit to begin to grow and develop in my life. And so uh, this evening I want to speak on the subject of sanctification and uh, Sanctify simply means set apart or to make whole, holy or to purify or to consecrate. And uh, despite the fact that some may say sanctification is not relevant for today, I want to tell you that it's a very, very important subject. Most likely in uh, the modern world that we live in, there's never been a day that this was more a more relevant subject. Amen. When we speak of sanctification or holiness... I would sure, certainly like to be clear uh, about my thought process on this. I don't think holiness is simply that the adherence of uh, 
of, of rules or regulations. And I don't think that's what holiness is. I believe that holiness is something that starts on the inside of our heart. A cleansing that is brought about by the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Now I want you to stay connected with me because I'm not through talking about the subject of holiness. Because I think some of you just got off the interstate. Amen. we got to have the Spirit of God working in us. We need to be clean within. That's where the presence of God starts. That's where the beginning of the work. It's an inward cleansing that begins to separate us from a world of sin. I am in the company of people that I have not polled or I have not uh, questioned you before church, but I am in the company of both men and women tonight that receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and before anybody could tell you don't do this or do that or whatever, the Spirit of God began to convict. That's not to negate the responsibility of teachers and and, uh, people that help guide us alone, not just by the word of teaching but by example, but the Spirit of God just begins something that yesterday you felt so comfortable doing or, or saying, all of a sudden the Spirit of God just began to nudge you in a different direction. Am, am I anywhere near base? Amen. Sure, sure. And so <clears throat> that was that cleansing of the Spirit that began just to separate us. Things that felt so common uh, yesterday feels uncommon today. Something that feels like it fit a moment ago or last week doesn't fit now. Under the law, uh, God sanctified the Sabbath day and He made that holy. But in the dispensation of grace, God has sanctified believers and He's made us holy. It's not just a day, but it is us. Sanctification or holiness is certainly not a message that uh, is meant to create pride in the lives of people, although it has done that. Uh, unfortunately, it has done that. It is not to empower someone to look down on others. Paul warned against comparing ourselves among ourselves. And so I'm not just trying to use you or someone else as a gauge as to how my life ought to be. (laughs) Amen. What if you're wrong? If I measure my life against your life and your life is not right, then my life is not right. And so Paul says that they that measure themselves among themselves are not wise. And so if someone is using uh, uh, holiness or or, or, uh, sanctification, separation, uh, whatever title you want to give that, if someone is using a holiness standard to condemn the rest of the world, then they have a misguided understanding of what holiness is all about. Amen. Holiness is not something that we climb up on a fence and start flapping our wings and crowing about. But holiness is an inward, an outward sign of an inward work. It's what God is doing on the inside. What God is doing on the inside. And so we don't need to look into the lives of others. What we really need to do is look deep within our own life and compare that with the Word of God. That brings us to where we are this evening in our study. After somebody receives a baptism of the Holy Ghost, we've been talking about back to the basics for several weeks now. After somebody receives the Holy Ghost, where to from here? What do we do from this moment? Now what? According to Simon Peter in our text, and many, many others, I just use this as a launching pad, we are to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're not just to get the Holy Ghost and go find a favorite place to sit, favorite place to park, And then just camp out until Jesus comes. But we've got a responsibility to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. And you know what? You never stop growing. We never stop learning. 
I'm, 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 I know I've already referred to some of the messages that were preached, and but uh, uh, just uh, I was thinking about the messages that Brother Myers taught on Thursday and Friday, and. And, and you're just sitting there. I've been in church my whole life. I've been around church at least my whole life and my whole adult life. Have been involved in the ministry and, and, uh, you're just thinking as he sits there and just unpeels, unfolds layer after layer and, and the revelation that God just began to shine on his word. I'm not talking about something crazy or weird, but just the power of God. You're just growing in him. You're, wow, I, I've never really seen it that way. I didn't understand it that way. And so I'm thankful that we can continue to grow in the Lord. So we should never reach a point where we think we're going to ring the bell and we're just going to tap out. We've got all we need for now. But we're always going to be growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. And so what does that mean in everyday language? It means this simply, that we need to learn how to live a life that is free from the bondage of sin and free from the entanglements of this world, this current world. And we do so by the power of the Holy Ghost that lives within us. You, you don't have the power, and I will probably say this multiple times, you don't have the power, and I don't have the power to think ourselves holy. Amen. You can, you can do whatever you want to do on the outside, but that's not holiness. Amen. Well, I'll just push back. <laughs> that's not holiness. Holiness is here in my heart. Holiness is what I do without even having to think about it. Holiness is what just comes from the manifestation of our inward man. That's just who we are. That's who we are. Amen. When when someone just flies off the handle and they throw a hammer halfway across the 40-acre field, that's who they are. Up until that moment, they may have been able to hide some of that. But who we are is going to come out. Who we really are. And so I want who I really am to come out every day with ease. I, I've used this example many times. I, you know, you can, you can, uh, <laughs> I'm going to get on dangerous ground here as sure as the world, but you, you can kind of tell when a husband and wife's just kind of putting on for your sake. They're holding hands and it's so awkward. You can tell they haven't done that in decades. They're just trying to impress somebody around them. They're trying to impress somebody around them. And, and you can also tell when something is just so natural. Right? Just, just, just so natural. There's, there's no groping in the dark. There's no reaching in there. It's just a natural feel. There's just a natural connection. And that's what I think holiness ought to be in the church. There ought to be something inside us that is so natural. That's not born from just the dictates of man, but that is born from the dictates of heaven. Something in our heart that said, you know what? I am going to free myself from that. I'm not just going to keep repenting for stuff. I'm going to ask God for deliverance from stuff. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we do that by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so we've got to walk with a pure heart. And we've got to walk with a pure mind. And we've got to walk with a pure conscience. Today, many, many people settle for just a watered-down version of the truth which allows and overlooks and then even sometimes excuses sin in their lives. Well, that's just how I am. Well, that's, you know, I'm just trying to get over that. And they're still talking about this 50 years down the road. I'm still trying to get over this. We don't need to, I'm going to say it again, we don't need to keep asking forgiveness for the same thing. At some point we need to say, Lord, deliver me. Yeah. 
Deliver me of this busybody spirit. Deliver me of this gossiping tongue. Deliver me. You know, you're, everybody's a whole lot more comfortable if you're talking about Budweiser. Because some of y'all hadn't had a Budweiser in decades, but when you might have been involved in some gossip recently. Amen. So we say, Lord, deliver me from this. Deliver me, Lord. Don't just forgive me for that conversation, but deliver me from that desire, that appetite that, that, I, that feeds and fuels something in my heart. And so I don't want something watered down that just says, oh, don't worry about it. Oh, just forget about it. I want something that comes right down the middle of where I live and say, you've got to stop doing this. You've got to change your way of thinking, your way of walking, your way of talking. Amen. The Word of God is certainly filled with Scriptures concerning the important issues of sanctification and separation. But just to read a few, Leviticus 11.45, I'm just reading that. Uh, For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. 1 Chronicles 16.29, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I'm going to tell you, in the eyes of God, I can assure you holiness is a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. As a matter of fact, I, I think nothing. there's nothing more beautiful than holiness. Amen. I sincerely say that with all of my heart, not to fit into this, the framework of this service, but to, for, for men and women that have decided, I am going to be different. I'm going to live a life, not that just looks different, but I'm going to live a life that is different. Second Corinthians 7 and 1, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I've mentioned already many, many other passages, Ephesians 4.24, and that you put on a new man after which, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. In Matthew 5 and 48, Jesus said, Be ye therefore, here's a good word, perfect. Even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. We, we kind of cower at those huge words, Be ye holy, for I am holy. But he answered up a notch and says, Be you perfect, as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now the Greek word translated perfect means complete. So it doesn't mean without error or without flaw. We have a treasure in an earthen vessel. So as long as we're in this world, we're going to be subject to error. But he said we can be complete. So how are we complete if we are not holy? Sanctification or, or holiness is something that every child of God ought to be in pursuit of. And I realize, and I will say it again tonight, not just for the sake of this listening audience, but to anyone who ever may hear this in the future, that as I have many times referred to, that holiness is a highway. And that we can be at various junctures on this highway. And so that's where... As the church, we need to have maturity and understanding and balance in our lives. We, the Bible even refers to the holiness as a highway. And so I just use that as an example that we may be, people may be at various junctures on this highway. But I am going to contend as long as God will give me breath that if, if we can get people on the right road in the right direction, they will eventually get where they're going. And so we must be patient and allow the Spirit of God. Now that is not a statement that should make us spiritually lackadaisical and, and just to say, well, it doesn't really matter. We, when God begins to deal with our heart about things, we're accountable at that moment. 
Amen. At that moment of that moment of acknowledgement, that moment of revelation, we become accountable for what God begins to reveal to us, not only through His Word and Spirit, but through the teaching of His Word. And so we become accountable for that. And so, and so there are times, and I don't want you to take this out of context, but there there are times when the service is over, we we might ought to end every service by just asking one collective questions. Now, what are you going to do about this? Now, what are we going to do about this now? We are about to dismiss. We're about to turn the lights out. We're about to lock these doors. We have been in the presence of the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that some of the terminology we use? The Spirit of God has been in this place and God has been touching us and talking to us and revealing to Himself to us. And so maybe the last question we ought to ask ourselves before we walk out of this building is what are we going to do about this now? What are we going to do with this knowledge? Are we just going to push this away in a corner? Are we going to file this away? Is it just going to fall by the wayside? We need to let the Spirit of God constantly prod us to be in pursuit of His holiness. Not by our own means. Isaiah said our, our righteousness is just as filthy rags. So then how do we attain this? How do we attain this completeness? Amen. We attain true holiness when we continue to kill the old man. <laughs> we can't let our flesh have its way in every situation. We can't let our flesh have its way. That's part and parcel of what fasting is all about. Amen. And so when you, when you think you're in control, just go on a fast. We'll find out real quick who's running the show. Because we're not even aware of how often we answer the whims of our flesh just through appetite. And so, uh, you know, I, I know maybe some people don't always understand this, especially if, if there's a, maybe a generation gap, and I use that word carefully, but, but to go on a media fast. A media fast. We'll just go on one. We'll just set your phone down for a few days. A few years ago, we didn't even own one. And now we'll drive halfway. We're halfway to Lake City. We'll come back home. We we forgot our phone. <laughs> so you go on a media fast. Just turn the radio off. Put the newspaper down. Just And you really find out that we do give in to the whims of our flesh an awful lot. I need to, I need to move on here tonight. I, I was I was before church. Something was pointed out to me. Can I have one of those? Can I have that? I said when I when I left here, this was the bottle of water that was on the platform, and I got back, and this was a bottle of water. I see, there's been a policy change while I've been gone. <laughs> Maybe we'll give them less to run on. They'll talk less. Man, I don't know why. <laughs> And I need to speak to the purchasing agent of these little darlings after church. <laughs> God is good, isn't he? Praise the Lord. So here we're we're looking for this completeness, this wholeness. And so we become complete. Colossians 2 and 8 says this, Beware lest any man spoil you. That word spoil literally means to seduce. Beware lest any man seduce you. Through, through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments, which means fundamental order of principle, or principles of the world. And so, lest any man seduce you through philosophy and vain deceit after 
the fundamental order or principles of the world and not after Christ. For in Him, that is Christ, for in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And verse 10 says it. Here it is. For ye are complete in Him. So he says, be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Or be complete as He is complete. So how do we get complete? We get complete through Him. We are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. And so when you see someone that truly embraces a spirit of holiness, they didn't get there on their own. And they will acknowledge that. It was the Spirit of God that helped them to separate. How did you lay down this habit? How did you lay down that habit? How did you give up this desire? How did you give up this? It was not us. It was the Spirit of God working in us at work daily, 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 weekly, monthly, yearly. It was God's work. His hand began to work in us. Because we can't attain true holiness without this infilling of the Spirit of God. We've got to have His Spirit within us. I don't want to just be a worshiper of the Lord. I want to be a server of the Lord. A servant of the Lord. Romans eleven sixteen. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And so if we can connect ourselves to something that is pure... <laughs> That's what's going to matter because if the lump is holy and if the first root be holy, the lump is also holy. If the root is holy, then the branches are going to be holy. And so I want to connect myself to something that is right, righteous and holy and complete and balanced. And that is the Spirit and the presence of God. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 3.17, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Are, ye are. And so, uh, again, there are certain things because we have dedicated this building uh, a long, long time ago uh, to the Lord to be a house of worship. There are just certain expectations we have about this house. There are certain things that you just wouldn't want anybody to say or do because this is a church, Correct. And so we just wouldn't, we, we dedicated this to the Lord. And so there are just some, uh, there's some activities that would just not be permissible because this is a church. And so now we are the temple. And so if we would protect this brick and mortar, how much more ought we to protect this temple? I gotta protect through the gateway of my eyes and my, and my ears and my hands and my feet. I've gotta protect myself. I've got to guard myself against the evil devices of this world. Amen. I, I don't find anywhere, I don't find anywhere in the Bible where it even indicates that living for God is a drudgery or a chore. As a matter of fact, I find quite the opposite. Isaiah said with joy, we would draw wells, out, we would draw water out of the wells of salvation. John, in John, records the words of Jesus that said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. On the other hand, Solomon said in Proverbs that the way of a transgressor is hard. Amen. I'm going to tell you this evening that living for God, if you'll sell out, will be the easiest thing you have ever done in your life. In your life. But walking the line, straddling the fence, trying to figure out which way to go, that will be the most miserable, that will be the most miserable journey that you'll ever make. Yes, I want my attitude toward the things of God 
to be correct. I want my spirit to be right because I represent something. You represent something. And it's a very sad day when someone who is presenting themselves as an ambassador of Christ has a bad or sour or a negative attitude because our presentation of the gospel is every day. Every day. Just last month, my wife and I celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary and we took a few days away and the night or the day of our evening of our anniversary we had dinner at a really nice restaurant and and, uh, we had never been there but it had been recommended to us and so when they set the plates down in front of us oh the presentation it was just incredible it was so neat I've actually never seen a plate really arranged that way and so we we sat there and oh man it was just it was just a great evening but you know, and I'm, I'm not want to take away anything from that, but at the root of all, you know what? It was just meat and potatoes and vegetables. God bless the chef. But I'm going to be very, it was just meat and potatoes and vegetables. But it was the way it was seasoned and the way it was presented and it was the atmosphere in which it was presented and it was the way that, that we were treated that made the evening so special. We have the same ingredients in our freezer at home. The same ingredients are in our pantry. But it was something about the atmosphere, the way it was presented. I'm going to just implore you tonight in the Holy Ghost that if you have been filled with His Spirit, it is imperative how we present the Gospel. Not just Sunday from behind this pulpit or Wednesday from behind this desk, but it is every day of our life how we present the Gospel. God's gift, that Spirit, is a treasure in earthen vessel. And I know that we are subject to error, but I'm going to tell you that the life ultimately, the big picture of life that we live out before people, People can create a desire in them to stay where they are or to change. Now, we all have bad days, and we all have things that we say we wish we, wish we would not have said, and no one here has attained to that heavenly perfection. But I'm going to tell you that it's the big picture that I'm reaching for, not a moment or a lapse of, uh, of in judgment, but I'm talking about the big picture of our lives. I want God to strengthen us. Amen. The life that we live before others are to create in them that desire. And so, uh, you know, I want to be around people, I'm being very sincere, that challenge me to be a better person in every area of my life. I want to be around people that, uh, that, that just challenge me to grow and challenge me to be strengthened in Him. And so living for God is certainly not a, a drudgery. I'm convinced that, that, that when we allow God to do a work in our lives and in someone else's life, when God does it, it will be thorough. It will be complete. Now, I said a few services ago that I, I think we certainly ought to give a lot of credit to uh, submission and obedience. I think that certainly plays a role in our life. And I'm thankful for I'm thankful for those attributes in, in my own life. Don't don't take that out of context, but in, in the life of everybody that's here. I'm thankful for the obedience and, and the submission that we have in our lives. But you know what? At some point we need more than submission and obedience. We need understanding. We need to know why we're doing what we're doing. 
Not just that we're just marching in obedience. At some point, we need the Spirit of God to do a work in our life. And when God does that work, it will be thorough. It will be completely done from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. And and if God does the work, it will be done. And so Luke says, where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And I can assure you that you don't dread something. uh, That you, You can't dread and treasure the same thing. You won't dread and change the and change and dread and treasure the same thing, but uh, sanctification and holiness. It certainly, I think, it, it, at its base root is just the bottom line separation from sin. But due to a lack of knowledge, sometimes people try to whitewash the issue of sin, and so they they go to the grace scriptures. And I'm thankful that there are grace scriptures, but I'm going to tell you that we don't. Paul said, "Do we use grace for a, a license or a reason to sin?" God forbid. We don't just sin because we got a get out of jail free card. <laughs> and uh, so that, that would just be like hanging you if you were in the law enforcement uh, field or whatever. That would just be like hanging your badge around the, the, the middle of your mirror and just driving 100 miles down the, an hour down the road. Because you can get out of it anyway. What? That doesn't matter. That, that's, that's not even the point. Paul says, do we sin? Just because grace is in our lives? Do we, do we err just because we have access to grace? God forbid. God forbid. Romans says, all have sinned come short of the glory of God. Again, Paul said, it's written, there is none righteous, no, not one. First John, the Bible says in 2 and 1, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ the righteous. And many times people quote that part of the scripture, but the first part of that same verse says, amen, my little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. Here's my real wish. Don't sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And so sometimes people sin, spend more time trying to justify sin than they do trying to correct it in their own life. And so I say, Lord, help us to realize that Matthew one twenty one, who talks about the birth of Jesus, he said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. We can be saved and delivered from sin. Amen. How many tonight would be willing to raise your hand and say, God, save me from sin. Amen. He brought me out of a world of darkness. He saved me from sin. When Jesus healed the lame man in John 5 and 8 and 9, the man, when the water was troubled and when the Lord healed him, we often rejoice over the fact that Jesus said, take up thy bed and walk. But that was not the only miraculous thing that happened in this story. When you drop down just a few more verses to the 14th verse, the Bible says, Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple, the same man that was healed, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. So sometimes we get so caught up in the miracle, and it was a miracle. We get so caught up in the miracle that we fail to realize the real divine, another divine thing that unfolds in this story. Sin no more lest the worst thing uh, come upon you. Jesus intending to reveal to this man who he was. Because if you read the verses in between the miracle and this, we understand that this man did not know who Jesus was when he healed him. Because when he was asked by the Jews who did this, he didn't have an answer. Because Jesus lost himself in the crowd. Stay with me now. And so Jesus wanted to reveal himself to this man. 
And so he found him in the temple, whether this was two hours later or two days later. We certainly don't know, and that is not relevant. But, but he gave, the Lord gave him two things to validate exactly who was speaking to him. He first revealed to him that he knew the secret of the past. He said, I know about your past. So stop sinning. Sin no more. Sin no more. It's kind of like getting your hand caught with your hand. You're getting caught with your hand in the cookie jar, right? Sin no more. Sin no more. Now I'm just giving you food for thought. This is not creating new doctrine. I just want to give you something that you want. I'm asking you was this. Was Jesus insinuating that his former sin was the cause of his long affliction? Just think about that. Doesn't matter if you agree or disagree. He had been afflicted for 38 years. And he said, now you've been made whole, so now go and sin no more. Amen. Also, Jesus proved that he not only knew about this man's past, but he also knew about his future. Because he said, if you go back and sin, lest something even greater than this comes upon you. And so Jesus was saying, amen, if your, if your iniquity is repeated, then your punishment is going to be increased. And so just think about that. We find that same admonition in John 8 and 11 with a woman who was called in adultery. Amen. He said, who is here to condemn you? Where are your condemners? And she said, I don't see anybody, Lord. I don't see any. They're all gone. He said, amen, neither do I condemn thee. What? Go and sin no more. He knew about her past. And so we've got to get a handle on this issue of sin. It wasn't that Jesus was patting her on the head and said, this is no big deal. Don't you worry about this. Just going about your merry way. But there was a rebuke in all of this that said, you're all right now to the man that was healed. You're whole now. But you've got to get over this sin problem lest something worse than this comes upon you. What I want to do tonight is underline that sin is in error. Sin is wrong. Not just for the sinner, but for the saint. And so we can't just touch sin and play and play church and pretend that everything's alright just because we feel His presence on Sunday. Amen. What you may feel is somebody else's blessing. What you may feel is just something else that's going on in the room. I want to, I want to feel Him and understand and experience it for myself. We've got to get an, a handle on this issue of sin. Praise the Lord. If our musicians will come, please, tonight. Let me, uh, let me just hasten here. John 8 and 34, Jesus answered and them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever committeth sin, listen to this, is a servant of sin. So lest we think that it's no big deal, he said, when you commit sin, you are a servant to sin. People talk about living for God, being so hard and being so restrictive. But Jesus said that we are servants of sin. Sinners are servants of sin. And so we can clearly see in the Scripture that it's unwise for anybody to try to justify a lifestyle of sin and ungodliness because we're to live an overcoming life. And the Spirit of God has got to be at work in our life. As I said earlier, we can't get good enough, we can't get strong enough. Amen. To live a pure and holy life, absent the power of the Holy Ghost, actively at work in our lives, is impossible. Can I say that again? To live a pure and holy life, absent the power of the Holy Spirit, actively at work in our life, is impossible. I need the Lord to give me strength and direction today, today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day. Amen. But when the Holy Ghost is allowed to work in our lives and hear me, Please let me just 
accentuate every syllable of this. When the Holy Ghost is allowed to work in our lives, in other words, when we stop quenching what God is trying to do, here's what you can expect to take place. The Spirit working on the inside is going to produce positive results on the outside. The way we talk will change. The way we walk will change. The way we dress will change. The way we entertain ourselves will change. The way what we dwell on will change. Our attitudes will change. And that list could go on until midnight. It just changes. It just changes. But beware. Just because something looks good on the outside does not necessarily mean that it's undefiled on the inside. Jesus made this point so abundantly clear when he rebuked the Pharisees in Matthew 27. He said, I'm using his words now, that they appear beautiful on the outside, but on the inside they are full of dead men's bones. He went on to say, outwardly you appear righteous, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And so when a person receives the Holy Spirit... The Bible way, they're going to look different, think different, act different, talk different, live different. It's going to be a lifestyle change. It's very real, and it is for whosoever will, to them that are afar off, as as many as the Lord our God shall call. I close with this. Just south of Louisville, Kentucky, is a place that we know as Fort Knox. Historically, Fort Knox is... A place, rather, is a place where the massive and major gold supply is kept. Historically, Fort Knox has also stored many, many other valuable items, such as the original United States Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the Declaration of Independence before they were moved to Washington, D.C. Fort Knox is a great place to store valuables because it is most literally a fortress. It's constructed of granite and steel and concrete. The vault is made of steel plates and steel beams and steel cylinders. Steel bands wrap around everything and then concrete encases it all. The vault door alone weighs more than 20 tons. Getting inside without authorization is not just difficult, it's impossible. Even the President of the United States does not have a combination to the vault of Fort Knox. To open the door, several staffers each dial separate combinations known only to them. On the outside, there's a sentry posted at the entrance gate in a guard box at each corner of the building. Additionally, there's an imposing steel fence that surrounds the entire property, not to mention the latest and the greatest of technology known to man. The point of this illustration is simply this. The more valuable something is, the more trouble people will go to to protect it. And so if your walk with God is not valuable to you, then you do very little to protect it. And you'll think about this all day, you'll read this all day, or you'll watch this all night, or you'll listen to this all night, and you'll open the gateway of your eyes, your ears, And you'll allow anything in because it really doesn't matter. Amen. I'm going to say what I think is true for most people here tonight. Maybe not for all. I don't like to speak in broad terms. 
But I think for the most part, everybody here guards our home. Our home is valuable to us. I'm not talking about just net worth value. But we wouldn't just let anything happen in our home. We wouldn't just let anybody come into our home. If you come into your home tonight and there's a stranger there, you're probably going to be asking questions among many other things. Because our home is valuable to us. And so we, when something is important, we lock it. We gate it. We guard it. Because it's important. But I have used an illustration countless times and will just dare to go there one more time tonight. And that is that when you visit our home, we will not point out to you the brand of lock. We won't point out the steel door. We won't show you the locks on every individual window. Because you see, the lock is not the treasure. The lock is just there to protect the treasure. And sometimes I think that people look at holiness and I think sometimes in error they think we look at holiness as being the treasure. It's not the treasure. Holiness is the lock that protects the treasure. Amen. Amen. We do everything that we can to protect our home. Because we don't want just everything there. When flies come in, they don't stand a chance. Because that's our home. When rodents come in, they don't stand a chance because that's our home. We're not just going to make room for the rats. That's our treasure. Our treasures are there. Can you stand with me? Amen. Our treasures are there. And so I'm guarding my heart. I'm guarding my life. I'm saying I'm not going there. Not so that I can look more holy or righteous or spiritual than you. I'm not going there because I've got a treasure here that I'm trying to protect. I'm not going to open myself to that spirit because I've got a treasure here that I'm trying to protect. I'm not going to open myself to that mindset, that philosophy, because I've got a spirit here, a treasure here that I am trying to protect. You know, I'm guilty sometimes, and probably not alone, but I'm guilty sometimes in buying a book just because of the title. Sometimes titles grab me and I just get the book. You know, not long ago, I, I bought a book that way. I, I saw the title and it... And so I bought the book and when I began to read that book, just the most heavy, depressing spirit. I'm being very serious. Please don't write me off. I almost felt a spirit of depression. And you know what I thought? You know what? I'm going to be obedient to this. What I feel right now. And, and I, I bought it electronically so I didn't have to throw it in the trash. I just had to delete it. <laughs> because I don't, want, I don't want to open myself to that. I don't, know what, I don't know what that was all about. But I don't want to open myself to that. You say, well, Brother Boyd, I think you're taking this way too far. Well, I may be. I may be. But i got a treasure. And I just sense a little danger. I just sense a little danger there. So I want to guard that treasure. Amen. Would you make an altar where you stand? And could we worship the Lord with this song?
I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.